This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Uh, today we're doing um, a tshuva from 5684. This is Igris Moshe, Evan Ezra, Chelek, Aleph, Simon, Yud, Zion. And we're still in uh, in Europe, and we're still, uh, we have the same characters, Rav Moshe and uh, his uncle, Rabbi Kantrovitz. What changes is that in this tshuva, it is Rabbi Kantrovitz who says that Rav Moshe's statement is Lonitan Lea Merklal. So let's dive into it. Um, the part that's relevant to us we're going to start by uh, beginning, right, the very beginning of the Tshuva. So you, the Kantrovitz wrote about me, that I had claimed, based on the Sugiya on Chagigadaf Yudalad, uh, that the case of a woman who becomes pregnant as a result of immersing in water uh, into which a male had previously ejaculated, so Rabbi Kantrovitz said, Rav Moshe reports that Rabbi Kant, we don't have Rabbi Kantrovitz uh, on the side of the conversation, but Rav Moshe reports that Rabbi Kantrovitz accused him of saying that this was a frequent thing, a frequent occurrence. And Rav Moshe says, You didn't actually read what I wrote. Because of course, that's not common, and uh, I wrote it explicitly. Now what's going on is that there is a sugya in the Chiga Daf Yudal, it's a very odd sugya, uh, this is after the four enter pardes. So one of the questions, a question was asked to Benzoma that if a basula, meaning a woman with an intact hymen, uh, becomes pregnant, um, can she marry? Right, can she marry a kohen gadol? Right, is a kohen gadol allowed to marry a woman who is physically a basula, even if she's gone through a, a pregnancy? Now there may be you know, subtext in this sugya which have nothing to do with halacha. Uh, plainly, any time you have a sugya that deals with a virgin who gives birth, uh, there's at least a suspicion that you're dealing with uh, some form of polemic about Christianity, but we're going to take it straight, as um, Rav Moshe does. And this, right, here's the way the sugya sets it up. Should we be worried that while she has an intact hymen, she is not actually a virgin in the sense of not having had sex, because Shmuel reports that he that it was possible for him uh, right, is always a question, you know, why does, uh, why does Shmuel know this? All that, not our issue right now. Shmuel reports that he was capable and, and that it was, it was, it's perfectly common for people to be capable of having uh, sex with a woman in such a way that might impregnate her without um, breaking the hymen. And the presumption of the sugi is that such a woman would not, in fact, be um, with terror to a Kohen uh, Gadol. Um, or do we say no? The way she be, be, became pregnant is through an ambatya, and Benzoma answers the Shmuel loshchiach the chayshin and shema beambate ibra. Shmuel's case is not actually common. Uh, Shmuel could do this, but it wasn't a uh, it was it was it wasn't um, it wasn't common for everybody else. This Sagan Ksubos raises issues with this. Uh, maybe it's culturally it's culturally dependent. Um, so Shmuel says right, you don't ha- you don't that. The, the concern, so the Gemara said, the concern, or Benzoma said, the concern for Shmuel is not a common concern. Rather, we uh, we are worried or we are concerned for the possibility 
of an Ambatya. So if you read the Sugya Shaoli, you might think that we have to replace one, right? if that isn't Shkiach, so we must be claiming the replacement of Shkiach, right? So if the Gemara says that Shmuel isn't Shkiach, it must be saying that Ambati, which we depend on instead, is is Shkiach, or at least is more Shkiach than Shmuel, but that's not necessarily the case at all, because it could be we have a presumption, um, one, we have a presumption one way, and even, right, and what we're, we do is we're Tola, right? We say, so long as there is a possibility that she became pregnant, uh, right, then we don't have to be concerned about Shmuel. It doesn't have to be a likely possibility. That's, I think, the Pashup Shat and the Sugi and the way pretty much everyone I've seen read it, reads it. And so it sounds like Rav Moshe is correct that Rav Kantrovitz did not read his article, his letter thoroughly. Um, and in fact, Rav Moshe says, I wrote this explicitly. And it's simple Pshat and the Sugi. Okay. So later in the Tshuva, um, Rav Moshe writes that Rav Kantrovitz accused him of not having looked at the realm of the beginning of uh, chapter 18 of Yisurebiya. And in order to understand this, we have to understand what Rav Moshe said, and then we can try to understand why Rabbi Kantrovitz accused him of this, and how Rav Moshe defends himself. So, in Halachic Gimel of the Perek Yudchet of Yisurebiya, the Ramam writes a whole list of, um, a secondary list of women, not the primary list of women, uh, they make her into a zona, meaning that she becomes a sura l'kohen. And if she's a bas kohen, so she becomes uh, invalid um, to eat uh, to eat truma. And similarly, if you have a woman who is in a Yibam or Chalitza situation, her husband died without children, and she, instead of doing, or before doing Yibam or Chalitza with the brother-in-law, she goes and has sex with somebody from the Shuk, um, then as Azona, then she becomes a Zona, and the Raman doesn't add, so Rav Moshe wants to say that that's because um, she, right, Rosha says that in fact that's the case. She is a Zona who is not, who is still eligible to eat Truma. And Rav Kantrovitz says, what are you talking about? If we take a look at the Ramam in the beginning of Perakit Chavis we'll see that there is a Machlokas between the Ramam and the Ravit. The Ravit says that the category Zona is based on one principle. Uh, if a woman has sex with a man who, if he tried to marry her, the could do. It's not that just that the marriage is forbidden, but the marriage doesn't have any legal validity at all. It's not right. The condition are not tofes. But the Ramam does not have a single principle. The Ramam says, uh, right? Or if, if she has sex with a man who is forbidden to marry her, he doesn't say. Right, whom marriage does not, um, who right, whose marriage does not apply, so that suggests that the um, Ram disagrees with the Ravid. Now, why does this matter to us? Because a Yavama Lashuk, there's a machloket whether kedushin are tofes or not. Now, Rav Moshe's overall structure is going to require that the reason a uh, Yavama who sleeps with someone from the Shuk is a zona is because. The Ramam holds like the position of Rav that a Kiddushan are not Tophes 
Aniyavama. And Rekhanshvit says, how can you make the Rambam's position depend on the on, on whether Kedushin are tofes or not? The Rambam at the very beginning of the parak says that um, that the status of Zona has nothing to do with being tofes um, Kedushin or not. So Rav Moshe responds, I know the beginning of that parak very well, I even quoted it, and you missed the beauty of the uh, structure I built. So here's what Rav Moshe says. He says, I, there's the fundamental pasuk of Almanah, Zonah, Grishavach, Yikahu, that, the Ramam agrees, that forbids only women uh, who sleep with somebody who, with whom they, not only would it be forbidden for them to have condition, but the condition would not be tofes at all. But, Rav Moshe says, really there are two psukim, one of them which fundamentally deals with the Isur to marry a Kohen, with Psul Kuna, and the other one of which deals with the Psul uh, for Truma. The one which deals with the psul for trumach is an emor uvas kohen ki sihiel ish zar he bisrimasa kadoshim lo sochel. So the question is, what's the relationship among those psukim? So Rav Moshe says that I understand the Rambam this way. The fun, right, the first pasuk of, of where it uses the term zona actually re- requires lo tafsipa However, women who are invalidated by the second pasuk, which uh, are also included in the category of zona. Therefore, any woman who can't eat truma is a zona. But Rav Moshe says it doesn't follow that any woman who is a zona cannot eat um, cannot eat truma, because if you have a woman who is only invalidated by the first right by the um, by the first pasuk of zona, which is lotafsi bakedushin, but the man with whom she has a relationship, even though they, um, even though the, the condition aren't tofes, nonetheless, uh, that man is not considered an ishzar, um, so then she's still allowed to eat truma. Now, what could, case could that be? Uh, Chirmasha says that there are, uh, the, Gemara, the Gemara says that kisiel ishzar uh, requires zar me'ikara. It has to be somebody whom she was always forbidden or she's intrinsically forbidden to marry, and that lets out two cases. One is Machazir Grushaso, a man who um, who right who who remarries a wife who's had a another uh, another marriage in between, and the other is according to the position that a Chivam Bashuk Bakidushin. So there's right here we have another case of a woman who um, right she has a relationship with the man whom. Uh, right, who there is no possibility of kedushin, and yet the man is not an ishzar because um, it's not an intrinsic um, prohibition. So Rav Moshe says, I think the uh, the correct outcome here is that this woman, the Yavamah according to the Rambam, right, is very mediak. She's a zona because lo tafsi kedushin because we're holding like Rav, but he's not an ishzar, and therefore she's allowed to uh, she's allowed to eat truma. Uh, right, and then he says, "You're gonna right if if you refuse to believe in my right in my structure, if you refuse to believe that there is a category of woman who is both called a zona and nonetheless uh, allowed to eat truma." He says that doesn't make any sense because there's a tosfos um, in Yavamos that says this explicitly according to the position of Rebbe Eliezer. Eliezer holds that uh, you can become a uh, you become you become a zona and a surah Cohen even if there's no prohibition at all other than two unmarried uh, 
to unmarried pe- uh, people having um, having sex together. Nonetheless, the woman becomes a zona if she had any act of forbidden sex. And Tosfos says explicitly, but even according to Rebbe Leizer, uh, you're allowed to eat trumas. Rebbe Leizer says, I have proven to uh, that there is a category amongst Rishonim of a woman who is considered a zona nonetheless allowed to eat trumas. How can that be? It must be because my structure is fundamentally correct. And once we know that this structure is fundamentally correct, what's the problem with saying that's the case in the Rambam? Okay, there are, there are linguistic arguments you could make, right? Why does the Rambam never mention the category of Latafsi Bakidushin explicitly? So the answer is you're supposed to figure it out. Okay. So Ramosha establishes his position as reasonable. Then he says, right, after he establishes the reasonableness of his position, he says, I am astonished at Yuri Kantrovitz, who said of my position, not only that I'm wrong in the Rambam, but you said the outcome that I assigned to the Rambam, that a woman can be considered a zona and nonetheless be allowed to eat shrimp in her father's house, that outcome, you said, is Okay, so this is the second time in a row that we've seen a tshuva that says and uh, the position is in fact perfectly sayable. What I want to suggest is that Rav Moshe actually picked the phrase up from Rabbi Kantrovitz. Right, we see here that Rabbi Kantrovitz said this about him, so now we discover the previous discussion that Rabbi Moshe had said, uh, said about Rabbi Kantrovitz, but this is a long conversation with many uh, elements to it, and we, the, even though the first use I found of the phrase Negris Moshe is in that Shuvah 5683, it's possible that they used it to each other all the time, and you can see they used it as, uh, you know, as people who learn together, and sometimes... Uh, Use some you know, hyperbole about the other person's uh, position. Uh, so that's right. That's the thesis I'm going to set out. That Ramosha first uses the phrase in the context of this dialogue with an uncle, who himself used the phrase, and Ramosha got it from him. So the question we're going to be exploring in uh, in um, in future episodes is to see whether Ramosha develops a different, narrower sense of the term, uh, either uh, re- over time replacing the sort of loose use of the term in the conversation with Kantrovitz or developing another use of it uh, alongside. So please stay tuned and thank you for listening. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. 